You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. you to imagine for just a second about how many things that you've done today that you've done out of habit. How many things that you've done today have you done out of habit? Some of you, you got up and you brushed your teeth. Hopefully you showered today. Maybe some of you put on deodorant, unless you're one of my teenage boys, and sometimes that's questionable. Some of you read or heard the news. You checked your email. You might have checked social media. You might have taken some vitamins. You might have exercised or you might have had your quiet time with God. You might have gotten into your car and you, maybe you drive the same route to Castle Hills every time that you come. You might have parked in the same general area You might have went through the same door and you might have talked to the same people that you normally talk to. And you probably sat in the same general seats that you normally sit in. We we all have habits, don't we? We all have habits. I I know I have habits when I come in. When when I come in here, I normally go through the same door and, and then I'll spend some time and I'll pray over the seats and I'll pray over the stage and the baptistry and the nursery and, and I'll check on various classrooms to make sure they're set up for today. I'll talk with volunteers making sure, hey, are we in good shape? Are we good? Is everyone showing up? I, I will go to Bible study and, and I learn and, or teach or, or participate in some capacity. And, and then I'll normally come in here and, and I'll normally shake your hand or, or give you a little fist bump or something like that. This morning I was in Spanish ministry for a few minutes, so I didn't get to do that as much. And, and, and then you know that I will go up and I'll pray with our worship team before the service. And then after the service, you know that I'm going to be out in the lobby. There, there's just certain things that I know I'm going to do every Sunday. There's just certain habits. If you're new here, welcome to the family. I hope that you'll feel the love of this church. We've been in a series called Healthy Habits. And we talked about in week one, you are what you repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. So much of our life is made of habits. And then I quoted Craig Rochelle, who said, we need to be more concerned about the who before the do. We need to think about who we want to become and then develop systems and habits around that. And and I challenged you, and and it's a challenge that I have for myself. I want to become a prayer warrior, and so I want to develop habits of prayer. And we dug in and we looked at Daniel, who prayed three times a day. And and he prayed big, bold prayers. and, And we saw that because of his prayer, that there was this Kegan, or pagan ruler named Darius that was so amazed by Daniel's faith that he ended up declaring, issuing an edict saying, hey, everyone, Daniel worships the living God, that you need to do the same thing. He ends up glorifying the living God because Daniel prayed. 
Last week, we talked about some personal healthy habits. And, and I quoted to you Kerry Newhoff. He said, if you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. If you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. And I encourage you to schedule margin, to schedule times of rest, of times that you can refill your physical, your mental, your emotional, your spiritual bucket up. That, that God rested. Not that we have a God that gets tired, but a God that sets the example, that he wired us in such a way that we all need times to rest, to recharge, times that we unplug. And if you don't do that, then there's going to be consequences. Eventually, you will hit a wall, and it won't necessarily be pleasant. And so I encourage you to develop that habit of Sabbath, that we all need it. Today, we're going to talk about healthy church habits. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be camped out with, or camped out today. If you're not familiar with the Bible, we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. The New Testament, Acts is in, in the New Testament. If you look at the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents page, and you'll see all of these books listed out. And in the New Testament, you'll see the first four Gospels, uh, first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you'll see the book of Acts. Let me give you a little, little context of, of what's going on here. Jesus has died. He's risen again, and he spent about 40 days on earth appearing to various people, doing amazing things. And we come to Acts chapter 1, and he ascends back to heaven. And he goes back to heaven. We, we see that also they chose a replacement for Judas who betrayed Jesus. And, and then we come to Acts chapter 2, and they're celebrating Pentecost. They're celebrating Pentecost. They're, they're all together. There's a group of believers that are all together there. And, and they're celebrating Pentecost. And some of you may be asking that question, well, what is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? In, in the Old Testament, Pentecost was one of the Jewish feast days called the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost was 50 days after Passover or 50 days after Jesus' resurrection or 10 days after his ascension. Basically, it was a time that they gave God thank you, or basically a time that they said thanks for the harvest. And they would take their first fruits and sacrifice this to God. And now every Jewish male had to go to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And so basically what we have is we have uh, this time that all of the believers are together. Are they celebrating Pentecost? Or are they thinking, hey, what's next? Jesus has ascended. What's, what's going on? But we just know that they're all together in community. And, and suddenly, this roaring wind comes. Not a light wind. It was a roaring wind. I want you to kind of picture like the type of wind that you would hear with a hurricane or a tornado. And, and it comes in and suddenly something that looked like tongues of fire comes over their head. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes. Now, Jesus had predicted this and John 14, 16, he says that the Father was going to send an advocate. And 
and that they weren't going to be left alone, that they didn't have to worry that after he was gone, that the Holy Spirit would come. And so next thing you know, they're sitting there, they're meeting together. This wind comes, and the tongues of fire, and then all of a sudden they're able to speak in different languages. I mean, all of a sudden, man, it would be like me being able to speak in Japanese suddenly or Italian or something else. And all of a sudden they're able to speak and other people are hearing them speaking like, hey, they're speaking my language, but these are Galileans. How do they know this? Holy Spirit comes upon them and, and people are amazed and people are like, whoa, what is going on? Those people must be drunk. Those people must be drunk. And so Peter and the apostles stand up, and, and Peter tended to be the apostle that spoke the most. And, and he says, no, guys, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. It's way too early to drink that much. No, actually, Joe prophesied that in the last days the Spirit would come, that this day would come. And now God's Spirit is here. And then Peter begins to preach this powerful sermon. And he challenges all of those that are around. He said, you know that guy Jesus that you crucified, that you nailed to a cross, that you put the crown of thorns on? That guy that you killed? That was the Messiah. That was Christ. That was the Lord. The guy who came back in three days, that conquered death. That was the Christ. And, and, and man, they're on the edge of their seats. I'm thinking, really? And, and we're going to see in our text, we're going to see that they were cut to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. Have you ever had that moment where God just hit you over the head? Maybe it was someone that, you were, that spoke to you. And just said something that just turned on the lights for you. That God was really trying to teach you something. And your friend spoke to you in such a way that it got your attention. Maybe you're reading God's word. And all of a sudden, like, God really convicted you about an issue in your life. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it was a song. But these people hear Peter's words and they're pierced to the heart. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? We heard your message, but what's the next steps? What, what do we do from here? And Peter replied, each one of you must repent. You must do a U-turn in your life. They were going one direction. He was like, hey, you need to turn back and go to God. Repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized, be dunked in water, be immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children, to those far away and all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then catch this. And this, this gives permission for preachers to preach a really long time because it says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. And so all preachers say, hey, you know what? Peter preached for a long time. We can do the same thing. Strongly urging all of his listeners Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then catch this. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. We see the birth of the church. 
And, and again, I want you to imagine if you were there. I mean, when we have one or two baptisms, we get excited. But imagine about 3,000 baptisms taking place. I, I don't know if it's just Peter and the apostles doing the baptisms, but just imagine the long lines. But who can complain about waiting in line to get baptized, right? I mean, we, we complain about all kinds of waiting, waiting in lines for various things. But hey, man, I'm about to get, it, get baptized. And, and I can just imagine a Monica playing up here and uh, singing our little baptism song. And she was like, man, my, my fingers are falling off. I mean, about 3,000 times. I mean, that's, that's a lot. But I can just imagine people rejoicing and being so excited as, as they're declaring, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I have a little picture in my office of a community service that took place in San Antonio. I believe it was back in the 20s. And in this picture, you'll see people being baptized. And that, one of the reasons I have that picture is it reminds me of Pentecost. It reminds me of God working among people, working among this city, doing great things. So we have the beginning of this church, and then we come to the verse that we're going to be focused on today. We're going to see that these 3,000 followers, these 3,000, this early faith community, and they were devoted to a few things. We'll see, first of all, that they were devoted, they were focused, they had habits. These things were a priority to them, to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was the apostles' teaching? Well, we don't see anything clear that defines, hey, this is exactly what the apostles taught. But we do know the apostles followed Jesus and they heard his stories. And if we look at the Gospels, I have a feeling that they taught much of the things that were in the Gospels. And so the early church, they were focused on learning and worshiping together. Then they were focused on fellowship and then the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread is they were eating together. Anybody like to eat? Yeah, me too. They, they enjoy eating together. And, what, and this is what's important. Over a meal, we're doing life. We're discussing life. We're talking about, hey, this is what's going on with the kids. This is what's going on with my job. This is what's going on with my favorite team. You're sharing your passions and the things that you care about. And, and so it's scriptural to eat together, okay? So if anyone says, hey, no, your church eats too much, we'll say, hey, you know what? I'm just being scriptural. We're, we're just eating and we love food and that's what the Bible says to do. And so that's why we eat so much here at Castle Hills because, hey, we're just being scriptural. Some have said that this refers to communion, the breaking of bread. If, if this is what it is referring to, we, it's different than the type of communion that we take today. They wouldn't have had just a little piece of bread and a little cup of, of Welch's. No, they had a full-blown meal. They would have had enchiladas and beans and rice and chips and queso, and they were eating together. They were, they were celebrating together. They were living together. And then they were also devoted to prayer, of praying with and for each other. We talked a lot about that again in week one. I would encourage you, if you missed that, to, to download our podcast. You can go to our website and see some of our past teachings. I intentionally left out that word fellowship. That word fellowship is something that you probably heard a lot growing up. We had fellowship halls and fellowship dinners. We, we've, we've had fellowship meetings. But what is fellowship? It's a term we use a lot, but, but what is fellowship? Is it our little greeting time where we shake each other's hands? 
Is it when we have our church picnic and we eat out on the patio? Is it when we have our Labor Day breakfast coming up and we eat some danishes and we hang out together? Is it going to a life group and, and eating and hanging out with other people studying God's Word? Is it coming at 9 o'clock or on a Sunday night to Bible study? Is that fellowship? Is it going with the men to a missions baseball game or going with the ladies to a Women of Joy conference? All of those things could be fellowship. But the Greek word that we see here actually has a little bit of a deeper meaning. We don't actually have a really good translation in the English for it. It's often that we translate it this way, fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, uh, intercourse. Yes, you read that right. I, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But when we talk about that word fellowship, it goes beyond just getting to know each other. It goes beyond just saying hi and shaking hands and talking about the weather and talking about the Aggies or the Longhorns or the Spurs. See, it, God wants us in community. He wants us to have a, a deeper relationship. And, and, and I think those are starting spots. I think Labor Day breakfast and church picnics and, and going to various things, that's the starting spot of how you get to know people. But God wants us to even get deeper beyond that. He, he said it's not good for man to be alone. That he created us that we need to get beyond the surface and, and actually get to having deeper relationships where we can actually share what's really going on in our life. Michael Wilson said this. He said, we've become so accustomed to wearing masks and hiding our real selves for fear of rejection and being judged that we're too afraid to be real and transparent with others. The church, which is made up of people, human beings designed to live in community, to be interdependent upon one another, should, we be, should be the one place in the world where people can be naked, uncovered, without shame. Now, I'm not saying that Castle Hills Christian Church needs to be a nudist church. I think we look a lot better with clothes on. I heard a bunch of amens on that. But I am saying... There should be a place that we can come and that we can share our pain and our wounds and our insecurities and our sin and some of the things that we're not proud of because every one of us in this room, we've sinned. And we have things that we're probably a little uncomfortable with. And we struggle at times, don't we? We struggle because we've had bad experiences. But, but I want you to remember this. The church isn't a place that you go to. It's a family that you belong to. The church is not something you go to. It's a family you belong to. And as a family, we worship together. We study together. We laugh together. We pray for each other. But also as a family, sometimes we're dysfunctional, Right? Sometimes we say mean things to each other. Sometimes we don't always act like Christ. 
And, and just like your family is probably dysfunctional at times, probably our church is dysfunctional at times. And sometimes we have crazy family members in the church. And if you can't think of anyone that's crazy here, you might be that person. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. We, we, we all have some crazy, right? You got crazy in your personal families. We got crazy in the church family. But they're family and you're family. And I know I'm crazy and, and you still love me. And that's the beauty. Isn't that the beauty of the church? I, I know that, that some of you, you're a, real, you're a little reluctant, you're a little eerie of pursuing fellowship, pursuing deeper relationships. You've been burned. Like maybe you've shared something and then all of a sudden people have gossiped about you and it's left you some really deep wounds. Some of you, you you've, tried to, you've tried to build relationships, but you've faced clicks at churches. And it's kind of left you like on one screen, just lonely, and you felt like you're by yourself. Probably even has happened here. It's not something that our church is ever proud of. We want to be welcoming and we want to be loving. But, but some of you, I know that when I say this word fellowship and, hey, pursue deeper relationships and deeper community, you're like, man, I've tried that. I've been hurt. I, it just doesn't feel good. Some of you, you're introverted or you're shy. And relationships are really difficult for you. It, it, it's not easy. It takes all the energy in the world for you to go and talk to someone. Some of you, you're pretty, uh, you want to be independent and you don't want to rely on someone else. You're like, I don't need anyone in my life. Yet God created us for deeper relationship. And, and Satan gives you a million other reasons why not to pursue fellowship. A thousand reasons why not to get to know someone here. A thousand reasons not to have Castle Hills be your family. Satan will give you every excuse why not to risk something for deeper relationship. But God has created us for this. And we see the early church time and time again, they devoted themselves to community, to fellowship. And we'll see the beauty of this community, we see the beauty of these habits played out as we continue to read in, in the book of Acts. It says, and all came upon every sow. Or it says, and we'll get it one way or the other. I want to make sure I'm reading what's right. And all came upon every sow, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were what? Together and had all things in common. They were selling possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had, uh, as any uh, had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, they were worshiping together. They were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now catch this, catch this, don't, don't miss this. When we have fellowship, when we have deeper community, God adds to the number. People are looking for community. They're looking for friendships. They, 
We live in a lonely world. We, even though we, we may have a million Facebook friends or social media friends, and even though you're surrounded by lots of people, we live in a big city, people are looking for someone that will care and reach out to them. So I know fellowship is hard. I know it's difficult. But I want to give you some action steps here uh, to, to just challenge you with. Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe he's piercing your heart in one of these areas. I, I want to encourage some of you to, to join the family. You, you, that may be your next step. It's like, hey, I want to make it official. I've been coming here. And, and to me, you already feel like family. We're just making it official. And say, well, Ronnie, I don't like coming up here up front. I mean, I, I really don't like that. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. You don't have to do it up front. When you do, it encourages others. But if you want to do it privately, hey, come talk to me in the room in the lobby. We'll get a little card. We'll take your picture. We'll say, hey, love you. We're going to pray for you. You're part of the family. Some of you, it may mean serving. It may be, mean contacting Monica and saying, hey, I'm ready to serve in several different areas. Some of you, it may mean joining a life group or a Bible study. Some of you, this may be a step for you. You're just going to introduce yourself to someone that you don't know, and you're gonna, uh, or you're going to try to make others welcome. You're going to see someone and say, hey, I don't recognize this person, and you're going to go introduce yourself, and you're saying, well, but what if they've already been coming here? I was like, hey, it happens to us all. It's okay. You, you're just going to be intentional. You say, hey, we're glad that you're here. Some of you, maybe you need to come early or stay late looking for opportunities to build friendships. Some of you, Maybe you need to invite someone to coffee or lunch or life group or a Bible study. Others, maybe set up a weekly time or a monthly time where you're intentionally seeking out to build relationships. And then for others, maybe you send a note or a text or an email or make a phone call. You look around and say, hey, I haven't seen that person in a while. They're part of the family. Where are they at? And you take that extra step and you make them feel loved. See, Church is not something that you go to. It's a family you belong to.